0: I'll be right there. I'm just going to get my Bible. (sighs) Lord, you know I'm just not excited about the sermon series we're starting today. It's just that I don't feel like my faith measures up to any of these people in the Bible. It certainly doesn't measure up to the centurion who knew that just by asking you would heal his servant. And it doesn't measure up to Peter who, at your command, walked on water. I don't even like being in a kiddie pool, let alone a lake. No, Lord, my faith just doesn't measure up. Lord, my faith doesn't even measure up to members of my own church family. I've watched as some of the members of our church have gone through cancer treatments, and they've gone through it with such confidence in you. When asked how they're doing, they say, I'm fine, I'm okay, or I'm out stinking standing. some don't lose their faith I remember Harriet telling me that she loved her new dress size and how her hips were the envy of us all me I get a little cold and I'm praying for healing no my faith just doesn't measure up and then there are those who have lost beloved family members I remember when my grandfather died how I locked myself up in my room for two weeks not wanting to hear or speak to anyone and then it took weeks longer for me to get back into church service my friend Rita recently lost her husband she didn't miss any of her church meetings and she went right back to serving in the nursery how different how different we reacted to our losses Lord oh and then there's Polly who recently got held up at the office by gunpoint the gunman had her lay on the floor with her head to the floor lord did she cry did she panic she thought she thought she was going to get a bullet in the head what did she do she prayed for you to receive her with open arms and to watch over her husband and child until they were reunited fortunately he left the office with the cash and left her unharmed Me? I know. I would have been praying, please, Lord, please don't let him kill me. Please, 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 please. I am such a coward. Oh, and, and don't get me started on the veterans who have gone to war. They've experienced all kinds of atrocities, and yet they come back worshiping and praising you. These are just a few of the testimonies that I've been privy to, Lord. I'm sure there are many more. No. My faith just doesn't measure up. Oh, I'm sure husband's getting ready. He's wondering where I am. I better get going. I'll go, Lord. I'll go to church. And I'll listen to your sermon. And I know that you will speak to me.
1: How many of you have ever felt like that? Just feel like your faith doesn't measure up. You think, you look around you see people and, and they're strong and going through hard times and difficulties and you think to yourselves, I, I just don't measure up. I, My faith is weak. I'm falling apart. Day in, day out. Life's difficulties come. Tribulations and trials. And really, literally, feel like we're falling apart. Let me do one thing real quick. You think... You know what? Jesus had me in mind. He had me in mind when he said, "O oh, ye of little faith." Have you ever felt like that? "O oh, me of little faith." Maybe as a congregation we look at one another and we say, "Oh, we of little faith." Our faith just doesn't measure up. We look at others. We look at the people of the Bible. We look at the people of the Bible and think, my faith really doesn't measure up. We think about people like Moses. Think about people like Abraham. We think about the disciples. I mean, they, they walked and they talked with Jesus, they saw Jesus every day. Moses and Abraham heard God's voice, they had strong faith. My faith just doesn't measure up. My faith is weak. My faith is small. My faith is frail. I just, some days, I don't even know if I can tie my shoes. Let alone live a life of strong faith. What do we do? We let doubt get the best of us. And not... I'm not talking about doubting big things. I'm not talking about doubting God's existence or whether or not God loves it. I'm talking about just, is God going to provide? Is is God going to be there? Is is God going to hear my prayer? Is God going to get me through this trial? Is God going to get me through this temptation? Is God going to get me through this test, through this difficulty? Is God going to be there for me? Is God going to help me? Well, today... We are starting a new sermon series And it's called Leap And it's all about faith From now until September 11th We're going to be talking about stories of faith from the Bible And I'm really really excited Because some of the stories we're going to talk about Are just awesome, inspiring stories of faith And that is my prayer That you will be inspired in your faith My goal of the sermon series Is not to discourage you Not to Make you look at people of the Bible going, I really don't measure up. I mean, a fiery furnace? (laughs) I don't like burning my finger on the stove. Now, we're going to talk about some awesome stories of faith, but we're also going to talk about, we're going to start today by going the opposite direction. We're going to talk about some guys who had very little faith. We're going to talk about some guys who really struggled with faith as Jesus told them that they did. So we're going to turn to the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, we're going to find five stories of Jesus and his disciples. We, like I said, we tend to think of the disciples as being these powerhouses of faith. But at the beginning, in their lives, it really wasn't the case. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6 around verse 30. We're going to start with the Sermon on the Mount. Now the Sermon on the Mount takes place uh, up on a mountainside. Jesus had large crowds following him and they go up on a mountain and as they're up on this mountain he calls his disciples to him and he begins to teach them. See I believe that when Jesus was Preaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he was not necessarily talking to this huge crowd of people. They overheard what he was saying. But I believe that his message was specifically directed towards his disciples. So you got the disciples gathered closely to Jesus, and he begins to teach them. Now you would think, you would think that these guys, that these 12 guys would have this awesome faith, they, that they, they saw Jesus do amazing things, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000, raising the dead, healing the sick, calming the... You would be wrong. Because five times in the book of Matthew, Jesus says that someone has little faith. The first one is here in Matthew chapter 6. He says Jesus' disciples came to him and, and they're gathered around him. And he's talking about worry and, and doubt and trust and faith. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Flip over to Matthew 8. For me, that's just one page. For you, it may be more. Flip over to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to find the second instance where Jesus says somebody has, quote-unquote, little faith. In Matthew chapter 8, they're out on the the Sea of Galilee, the disciples and Jesus. They go out on the boat. They're crossing the Sea of Galilee. A furious storm comes up. Seems to be a theme uh, with the Sea of Galilee. In fact, it was was located down in a valley, and uh, storms would come up over the mountains and, and would swoosh down into the valley, and these furious squalls would come up. And sure enough, that's what happens. They're on the boat. Furious squall comes up. Jesus is sleeping. Disciples are panicking, totally freaking out. And then we get to uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. It says, he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Here we go. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The third story also takes place on the Sea of Galilee in Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, this has to do with the story that that David told in his children's sermon. Again, they're out on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples are. And Jesus comes walking on the water out towards them. And I love the story because it, it's a story of, that we're going to deal with more in depth in a few weeks. But Jesus is walking on the water. and He says, in verse 27, Jesus said to them, they're terrified. Uh, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I wonder what that looked like. It's a ghost, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. I don't know. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> But Jesus immediately said to them, immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter, the impetuous one, loved Peter. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me immediately jesus reached out his hand and caught him you of little faith he said why did you doubt and when they climbed into the boat the wind died down then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying truly you are the son of god the fourth time is a story that takes place in matthew 16 And Jesus warns his disciples to be on their guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, He had just had a confrontation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he tells his disciples, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples at this point are still not quite understanding what's going on. The disciples say, he's angry with us because we didn't bring bread. Jesus is completely aware of their thoughts and said, why are you talking about bread? This has nothing to do with bread. He says, do you you not know who I am? Did you not see me feed 5,000 with five loaves or 4,000 with seven loaves? Do you still not know? Do you still not understand who I am? They had such little faith. Matthew 16. He says, aware of the discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? And then he says, I was not He says, how is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread in verse 11, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And basically, verse 12, Matthew kind of adds a, uh, an editorial note. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You of little faith. Do you not understand? If I if I was concerned about bread, I could make bread like that. I could pick up a rock, turn it into bread. I could pick up a stick, turn it into bread. I could put a, put some sand in my hand and just pour it out, and boom, bread would be there. I am... You don't... I, Do you have such little faith that you don't understand who I am? We've been going along now for a long time, and you've seen me do the miracles. You know who I am. Don't you know who I am? The last one comes in Matthew 17. At the beginning of Matthew 17, we have what's known as the Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John go up on a mountain with Jesus, Elijah, and Moses show up. Jesus is transfigured before them, his appearance changes. They hear a voice from heaven as God says, This is my son. Listen to him. Okay, Peter, James, and John have this amazing experience. They see ghosts. I mean, they see Moses and Elijah. These guys have been dead for thousands of years, and they see Moses and Elijah. They hear a voice from heaven. They hear the voice of God. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then they come down from the mountain. Matthew 17. When they came to the crowd, verse 14, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move nothing will be impossible for you five stories of Jesus and his clo- 12 closest friends and in every instance he says to them you have little faith again this kind of goes against the whole idea that we have about the disciples that they are these spiritual powerhouses that they are these faithful followers of Jesus wherever you go we'll go whatever you do we'll will testify uh, to your to your amazing abilities, we'll we'll go with you wherever you want. We're, we're here with you, Jesus. we we're, we're doing this with you. And he says to them five different times, "You of little faith." And we may think to ourselves, "Goodness, if that's how he talked to the disciples, what would he say about me?" Because sometimes we really feel like we don't measure up. Three ways. If you have a bulletin, turn to the third page and you can see the, the uh, handy-dandy outline for this morning. There are three ways that we need to trust God that I see from these five stories. There are, these five stories will teach us three ways that we need to trust God. The first way that we need to trust God is that we need to trust God to provide for our needs. We need to trust God to provide for our needs. Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 6, Why do you worry? about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Why do you worry about these things? He says the pagans run after them. When you think about it, food, shelter, clothing, you think about the world that we live in, a, a materialistic, consumeristic society where it's all about getting more and having more and, and the best and the brightest. And the, I, I have a new cell phone. It's a couple weeks old. You know what i done recently As I went on Verizon to see when my new uh, Every 2 is up so I can see when I can get the newest cell phone. Why? This one works great. This is amazing. This is a mini computer in my pocket. This is Star Trek stuff. People 50 years ago, are, you know, you tell them, hey, what? tell them about a cell phone. It looks like you've got a third eye growing out of your head. What do you mean, you carry a phone in your pocket? More than that, I have connection. I can chat with people in China if I wanted to on my cell phone. I have Facebook. And you're looking at me going, why does a book have a face? (laughs) But we want the newest, we want the brightest, we want the best. They call it retail therapy. How many retail therapists do we have? I can't be the only one. (laughs) Last year's fashions are out of style. Time to go shopping. I bought that car 3 years ago. I mean 3 years ago and now it's got a, it's got a little a couple dings in it and it doesn't quite you know it's not as quite as comfortable as it once was. Let's go shopping. New car. We've been living in this house for 10 years. Yeah, it could use a little paint, maybe a, you know some remodeling, maybe some new furniture or something, but let's go shopping. Let's go house shopping. Let's get a new house. We're obsessed with the brightest and the best and the newest, and we got to have it. And we go in debt up, depth up to our eyeballs, and then we're in trouble. What do we do? It's this obsession with shopping and the wants of life. See, Jesus says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you seek the things of God, everything you need will be provided for you. And our confusion is not in that God provides. Our confusion is what he provides. The confusion comes in when we don't have what we want. I do this too often when it comes to dinner time. If you show up on a Sunday morning in a few weeks, and I'm not here, it's because I ordered pizza. Not health-wise, more of relationships. Issues I'm driving my wife crazy Because I keep ordering pizza Why? Because the frozen meals I have in the fridge, in the freezer And the food that I have in the fridge And the full pantry of food isn't good enough I want something From Squeegees (laughs) I want a meatball sandwich From Aurelio's Oh yeah Sounds good, don't it? (laughs) come on, Sean, it's getting 11.30, time to go. (laughs) I want that meatball sandwich now. But it's like what I want isn't necessarily what I have. Even though God has provided for my needs, there's plenty of food in the freezer, in the fridge, in the pantry. That's not what I want. So I dole out X amount of dollars, and some nice man shows up in a car and brings me food. But I have a mistaken notion Of what I want versus what I need And how God has chosen and how God decides God will provide for my needs It's a difference between wants and needs The thing about what God says When he says he will provide for our needs Is what are we chasing after What are we pursuing What are we seeking are we seeking God first are we seeking his kingdom first are we seeking to do the will of God you see chasing after God never goes out of fashion chasing after God never is last year's model chasing after God is not you know 10 year old house chasing after God is fresh and new every day seeking his will seeking his face seeking after the things of god that's the key to satisfaction see there's a difference between satisfaction and gratification gratification is momentary gratification makes me feel good right now this pizza oh this is really good pizza i love the next day i want pizza again i ate all yesterday's pizza so i shall call a pizza place and have them bring more and more pizza What's wrong with me? It doesn't satisfy. It gratifies. And so many things in this life will gratify us for a moment, but they will not satisfy us for an eternity. And the only thing that will satisfy us for an eternity is to seek after the things of God. We have to chase after God. And He will provide for our needs. And then once He has provided for our needs, we need to be thankful, grateful people. Thankful and grateful to our provider, for he is the one who has provided it. Second thing, we need to trust God to calm our storms. We need to trust God to calm our storms. Let's face it, life is full of them. Is it just me, or has it been kind of a stormy year? Not just weather-wise, because it has. Tornadoes all over the place. Who knows what hurricane season will bring? But in the midst of our lives, there have been storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, emotional, spiritual, even physical. Tornadoes and hurricanes and storms, oh my. In our lives, we have been churned and tossed about like those disciples on the boat being churned and tossed about. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a job. The child who doesn't come home at night and is breaking your heart. A broken relationship. A relationship that is falling apart. Struggles with your kids. The diseases. The illnesses. The sicknesses. It all churns and turns about and crashes in on us like a a, a tiny little boat at sea. Threatens to push us under and we feel like the disciples when they come to Jesus and said we are going to die Don't you care if we're going to die? And that's what we say to God God, don't you care? I feel like I'm going to die I feel like I'm going to drown in this storm of life that I'm in And so what do we do? Pull out the oar All right, I'm going to pedal harder I'm going to get through this storm I'm going to do it I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to fight this storm, and I'm going, to, I'm going to win. No, you're not. You are not going to win. The storm is bigger than you. The waves are going to crash on you, and they are going to push you under. There is only one who can calm the storm. The disciple said, Who is this? Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And the winds and the waves of the storms of your life will obey Jesus. He can calm the storms of your life. And you don't know how he does it. You don't know how he does it. But when Philippians says that there is a peace that surpasses our comprehension... When there is comfort in the middle of the night, out of the blue, out of nowhere, you may be crying your eyes out and all of a sudden there's there's this peace that overcomes you. This comforting presence, this comforting spirit comes upon you. And you know that he has spoken peace and calm to the storm of your life. It could be that somewhere five hundred miles away, there is somebody on their knees at that moment praying for you. That God, please calm the storms of their of their lives. And He moves, and He raises His hands, and He says, "Peace, be still." I Was getting ready to come to church today, and I had the radio on, on the TV uh, through a internet app. Anyway, it's it's technical. Um, so I, I and and it was funny because. I'm thinking about the sermon. I'm thinking about the storms of life and everything like that. And a Scott Cropain song comes on. And it's called, Sometimes He Calms the Storm. And the chorus says, Sometimes He Calms the Storm and Sometimes He Calms His Child. That's deep. Because sometimes that's what we need. More than the storm to settle down, we need to settle down. We need his comforting spirit. We need his peaceful presence in our lives to calm us and just settle us down. Like a child, like a colicky child named Jonathan who for three months every night at 7 o'clock would scream his little head off and I'd have to call and say, please come home. And she would come home and she would hold him and he would calm down. We need Jesus to come alongside us. We need Jesus to come near us. We need him to come and just... Hold us in his arms and say, peace, be still, my child. The last thing we need to do, the last way we need to trust God is we need to trust God to give you strength. Because sometimes, more than the, the, the peace, more than the provision, we need the power. In Matthew 17, Jesus says, That if you have the faith as small as a what? Faith the size of a mustard seed. Which makes me wonder, what kind of faith did the disciples have? Because they can't cast this demon out. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, maybe they have poppy seed faith. But (laughs) Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, here's my question. In Jesus' day, there was nothing considered stronger than a mountain. So again, what kind of faith did they have that they couldn't cast a, a, a demon out? And Jesus is telling them, if you have just a little bit of faith, you can move a mountain. It was the strongest thing that they knew, it was the strongest thing that they believed, that this is a mountain. Mountains don't move, right? And if you have faith... God can move mountains. And sometimes mountains need to be moved. And we need strength. We need power. And there is power that is available to us that we don't tap into. It's the power of God's very spirit that dwells inside of us. If you look at the disciples five times here in the book Of Matthew, Jesus says to them, you have such little faith. And then you see these same guys just maybe a year later, two years later in the book of Acts going around raising people from the dead, healing illnesses, standing up to the religious leaders saying, "Uh uh-uh, man, you guys killed Jesus. And now God raised him from the dead and they go from being spiritual. Spiritual weaklings to being spiritual powerhouses. What was the difference? What made the difference? It was God's spirit... It was the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of them. I'm reading this book called Not a Fan. And in the book it talks about being spiritually empowered and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he says is that we think, we think to ourselves, we'd be so jealous of people like Moses and Elijah who got to talk with God. And, and we think, oh, it would be so great to talk with God. And he thinks, the guy who wrote the book, Kyle Adam says he thinks that it would be completely backwards. He said that the people of Jesus' day would be looking at us going, what's it like to have God living inside you? What's it like to have God's Spirit dwelling inside of you? And most of us, unfortunately, would answer, Oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You've been baptized. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Believe, uh, repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have God's Spirit dwelling inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. There is power in me. There is power in you. Power that can move mountains. Power that can move mountains. God gives us strength. But I feel so weak and helpless. Pray to God for strength. Trust him that he can do it. That he will do it. Not that he obeys you, but you obey him. Not that he does everything you want him to do, but he can give you strength to do everything he wants you to He can give you power Through his holy spirit Have you tapped into that power? Are you tapped into that power source? Are you plugged into the source of power that god has given to us? If not, then it's time to get tapped in it's time to plug in baby you got power, power to overcome temptation, power to overcome addiction, power to overcome uh, trials and tribulations, power to move mountains, not for your purposes, not for your uh, desires, but for God's kingdom. There is no stronghold that can stand against the power of God. So why do, we let, why do we let these things bind us? Why do we let these things hold us back? Why do we let these things... Dominate us and and have control over us When it doesn't have to be that way We have power We need to trust God to give us The strength and the power to overcome Not for our benefit Not for our glory but for His All for Him So this is where we're going (laughs) Over the next Several weeks We're going to talk about faith Faith is more than just Believing that something is true, faith is about trust. And so we're going to look at some people. We're going to look at some stories to talk about trust and how we can trust God. So my challenge for you today is: show up, week in, week out. Come to church, bring a friend, and say, "You got to hear this. You got to, you got to, you got to know this Jesus." that we're talking about you need to know these stories that we're talking about you need to have faith you need to take a leap heavenly father i pray that you would help us do just that that we would take a a great big leap of faith into your arms knowing that you will catch us knowing that we can trust you trust you to provide for our needs Trust you to give us strength and power. Trust you to calm the storms of our lives when we are going through the difficult days and the hard times. We need your presence in our lives. We need you here with us. And Father God, we ask that you would do just that, that you would come and give us power and give us strength to overcome. Give us power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that spoke peace and calm to the waves, the power that can fill us today. We ask for that power, God. Help us to trust you and to know that you love us and are in charge and you are in control and that we can follow you and that though we feel like we do not measure up, that you can give us the faith to move mountains. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.